right. What is up, M12? You guys good tonight? Amen. Well, hey, it is so good to see you. My name is Stephen. If I haven't met you yet, man, I would love to shake your hand, give you a high five before the end of the night. And I just want to fir- welcome uh, our first-time guests. If you're here for the very first time, and thank you all for coming tonight. Uh, we appreciate you spending your Wednesday evening with us. We do have a little gift that we want to give you, and uh, we want to meet you at the end of the service, so make sure that you pay attention to that. So let me ask you guys a question. How many of you, you just raise your hand, you don't have to talk about it, how many of you have ever disobeyed your parents? Yes. All right. So what that means is that I'm in good company. That's great. Well, hey, I, uh, I know for me when I was younger, when I was younger, one of the uh, house rules in my family that my dad came up with, right, was no horse playing in the house. And uh, horse playing means, horse playing means no getting hot and sweaty inside the house. And so I remember I was probably, honestly, guys, I was probably like in the first, second grade. And uh, I have two older brothers, and we shared a bedroom in our house uh, in Louisiana. And um, this particular afternoon, my dad had left to go run some errands. And so me and my brother, we just had this bright idea that we would play some basketball, but in our room. And, And here's the thing. I'm not talking about a basketball goal that's like on the back of your, you know, bedroom door. I'm talking about like a a miniature little basketball goal like in the room, right? And so we were not just like shooting around. We were playing basketball, right? So that was being disobedient to what my dad told us to do, but we thought it was a good idea. So we're playing basketball and and you know how things get with with brothers and siblings. Man, we we were getting competitive and so we were sweating like crazy. I mean, there was B.O. smell all in the room, you know what I'm saying? And then here's what happens is all of a sudden, we heard a door slam. And of course, our dad had gotten home. And so we were kind of stuck, right? We, we didn't have time to like fake what we were doing. So we came up with this idea and we turned on the TV and the Nintendo. Now, I know you guys don't know what a Nintendo is, but it is the best game system there ever was. So we turn on the Nintendo and my dad comes in the room. He comes in our bedroom, right? And like I said, man, we got sweat dripping from us, you know what I'm saying? And so my dad walks in the room, and we're like, yeah, Dad, this, this video game is stressful. I mean, it's, it, it is crazy. And of course, I mean, guys, come on. My dad, you know, he's not dumb. He didn't buy it. It didn't go well. And sometimes, right, when we disobey our parents, sometimes we try to push the limit a little bit. We try to maybe kind of, you know, go as far to the line without crossing the line as we can. You know what I'm saying? It's a lot like this little toddler who's trying to go to the limit. You got to watch this. This is hilarious. Don't be afraid to laugh. Check it out. So he's like pushing the limit of obedience, right? He doesn't even know what he's doing. He's like one years old. But here's the thing. All joking aside, we kicked off this series last week called GOAT, right? We're talking about the greatest of all time. And here's the thing. At M12, we believe the greatest of all time is Jesus, We believe that Jesus is the greatest of all time, not just because he has had so much influence in our world, but we believe Jesus is the greatest of all time because he gave his life for you and for me. He died on the cross. He substituted 
Him, he substituted his life for your own, and we believe that he is the greatest of all time. And so in this series, what we're doing is we're taking a look at Jesus. We're trying to learn about things that Jesus stood for, things that Jesus taught. And so if you were with us last week, we talked about this idea of greatness. And the fact that greatness is not just, it's not you know, how many likes or how many comments or how many follows or how popular you are or how important you feel. We found that through Scripture and through Jesus' example that greatness is actually putting other people before yourself. Greatness is having humility and putting the needs of others way ahead of your own. And tonight I want to look at another part of the life of Jesus, the GOAT, greatest of all time. And I want to talk about and have a conversation about obedience. Maybe you guessed that already. But here's a tension that we all feel. And I know that in a room like this, maybe we don't all follow Jesus. Maybe we don't all call ourselves Christians. And here's the thing. We are so glad that you're here, regardless of where you stand. Now, our hope and our prayer would be that at some point, you would make the decision to put your trust and your faith in Jesus, because we know he's the GOAT. And that's the best decision that you could ever make. But either way, we're glad you're here. We encourage you to come every single week, hear about the life of Christ. But here's the tension that we all have. I love God, but sometimes I struggle to obey Him. I love God, but sometimes in this life I struggle to obey what he says to do. And so inside the struggle, maybe it's maybe the reason why we struggle is because of something called fear. I mean, maybe we're afraid of what God would ask us to do, or maybe we're afraid of what God would ask us to stop doing. Or maybe it's doubt. I mean, maybe you doubt that there is a God. Or maybe you doubt that kind of like Adam and Eve kind of grew to this place where they felt like God was holding out on them. Like he wasn't, he wasn't for their best interest. So maybe you struggle with doubt. Or maybe it's cost. I mean, honestly, maybe it's just that it costs too much to obey God. And the truth is, some of us, we might find ourselves kind of like this guy named Paul. You guys didn't get it. Secret word, Paul. Cool, cool, cool. Awesome. So in the Bible, in the New Testament, there's this character... And his name was the Apostle Paul. And here's the thing about, here's the thing about him. He, he was very influential. But at one point in his life, right, he was actually a guy who killed Christians. He, he, that was his profession, was basically to kill Christians. And then he had this encounter with God. And long story made short, he gave his life to Christ, gave his life to God, believed in God, began to follow God. And then he went from killing Christians to being one of the most influential people in all of the Bible. As a matter of fact, he wrote a lot of the New Testament. And here's the thing about Paul, is that even after Paul made the decision to follow Christ, and even after some of us have made the decision to follow Christ, that doesn't mean that life is just going to be great all the time. And Paul had this tension, and I want you to see what he says, because maybe you can relate. In Romans 7, it says this, I do not understand... What I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. Then he goes on in verse 19, look at this. For I do not do the good that I want to do. 
But the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. In other words, Paul is in a battle. And so he says, man, the things that I really wish I would do, man, I don't do those things. And the things that I don't want to do, the things I know not to do, those are kind of like the things that I practice. And so maybe you can relate to Paul. I know that I can. And see, if you can relate to him, that makes sense because I think that's a part of this life is that we're in this battle. And then I wonder this question, I think, how about Jesus? Jesus being the son of God, how did he obey God? Like even when he didn't want to obey God, how did he do it? See, some of you, maybe you know this, maybe you don't, but Jesus was fully God and fully man. And so he was fully God, meaning that he was the Savior, the Messiah. The Bible tells of stories of miracles and things that Jesus would do for people. He loved people. He died on the cross. But he was also fully man, which means that he was able to experience emotions and feelings and difficulty just like you can and just like I can. But I want you to catch this part of the Bible where Jesus is in this battle. I mean, even Jesus is facing this battle of obedience. And I want you to to read along with me. It's in Matthew chapter 26. So if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn with me to page number 996. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. It's going to come on the screen. And this is, again, this is Jesus kind of battling that question or that step of obedience. Here it is, beginning in verse number 26 of Matthew, or excuse me, verse 36 of Matthew 26. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. So he took Peter and two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. So Jesus takes two of the disciples, three of the disciples, and he's going off to pray, and he says to them, listen, guys, my soul is sorrowful, so sorrowful to the point of death. I mean, Jesus is struggling. He's having a tough time. Remember, he's fully man, so he understands how to experience emotions that you or I might experience. And then moving on to verse number 40 or 39, it says, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Jesus is referring to the fact that he's about to be captured by the Roman soldiers. And so Jesus is saying, God, if there is any other way, I would ask that you would do that so that I don't have to go and be crucified to a cross and be humiliated in front of my family. See, Jesus was wrestling And then, look at verse 42. He went away a second time and prayed again. My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. See, Jesus is facing a moment of real emotion. And he gives us a thought in his example that I want to land on tonight. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Obedience isn't easy. But it's best. 
Obedience isn't easy, but it is best. I'll say it again. Obedience isn't easy, but it's best. See, obedience is something, students, that we all have to wrestle with. I mean, Jesus is the goat. He is the greatest of all time. And even Jesus being the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the Sovereign One, the Messiah, He is the one, the goat, and He wrestled with this decision of obedience. He didn't want to do it. In His flesh, He did not want to go to the cross. He was begging His Father, if there's any other way, please do that. But then he says this, and this is the center of obedience. He says, not as I will, but as you will. Not my will be done, God, but your will be done. Not my will be done, Father, but your will be done. And see, this is a hard decision, right? Because we're all faced, you guys especially as middle school students, are faced constantly with obeying your parents, Obeying your teachers, obeying your coaches, right? And sometimes doing the right thing and being obedient isn't the easy thing, but it's the best thing. And here's why. Because every single time we do the right thing, it leads us down the best path. It may not be the easiest path, but it is the best path. And see, it's one thing to make a wise decision and obey the authority figures in your life, but what about God? I mean, what about when God nudges you and he prompts you to do something? I remember when I was in high school, and I was in a youth group a little bit like this one, not as large as this one, but kind of like this one. And every Sunday after church, man, me and my buddies, we would, we'd always go to this Mexican restaurant, grab some lunch together. Stuff our faces. It was great. And I remember I was in my truck. I was on the road, main highway of uh, the the city I lived in. And I saw this guy to the side of the road. And and it was a homeless guy. He had one of the signs and had a backpack. And and, and immediately this was my thought. I, I, I knew that God told me to go and talk to him. But I'm 17 years old. And I don't know this guy. And so I'm thinking, well, what if, okay, well, God, if I go and talk to this guy, I mean, what if he doesn't want to talk? What if he's crazy, right? Uh, what, what if I don't know what to say to him or I say the wrong thing? And, and it was, just wasn't a good situation. And so I question it and question it and question it. And then I think about Jesus. And I think, what if Jesus would have questioned his decision to go to the cross? I mean, what if he would have question his decision like I question my decision. And see, what we know is that when he was in the garden of Gethsemane, he prayed really, really hard. Some scripture passages say that Jesus prayed so hard, get this guys, he prayed so hard that sweat drops of blood began began to drip from his temple. He was so... um, entrenched in this moment of, do I obey or do I not? But not my will, yours be done. Jesus was in a tough place in that moment. And so I asked myself, why? I mean, why did Jesus do it? 
Why did he choose to be obedient? And here's the answer. And I think this, if you haven't heard anything else, I want you to hear this. I think that maybe the reason you came here tonight is to hear the answer of why. And I want you to see it in Scripture. In the Bible, in 1 John 3, this is what it says. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Here's the point, and it's in your notes. Obedience is evidence of love. Obedience is evidence of love. If you want to write that down, let me say it again. Obedience is evidence of love. See, Jesus the goat, he was able to say, not my will, but your will be done because of love. And maybe that's why you're here tonight, to hear the fact that Jesus, he loves you. And I don't know what you're told at home, and I don't know how you feel, but what I do know to be true is that Jesus loves you. It is all because that he loves us that he went to the cross. It is all because of his love for us that he sacrificed his life for you. It is all because of his love for us that he chose to be obedient to what his father told him to do. And then I want you to catch the next part of this passage. It says this, if anyone has material possessions, think about my story. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. In other words, students, love is a verb. It's an action. It's something that we do. And what the writer is saying here is he's saying, listen, if you love your brother or sister and you don't do anything to help them when they are in need, the love of God is not in you. But see, that's why Jesus was obedient, because the love of God was in him. And that love is for you, and it is for me. And so let me ask you a question. If obedience is the evidence of love, then who or what are you obeying? I mean, think about this. Because whoever or whatever you're obeying is what you love. So are you obeying your own desires more than you're obeying what God wants for you? See, if you find yourself in that camp, then what that says is that you're putting yourself in front of of God. Or maybe you find yourself obeying or or caring more about what your friends uh, have to say when they put pressure on you. And maybe that would say that you love your friends the most. See, obedience is the evidence of love. And here's what I know. When I was your age, I thought about this. I thought about, man, it is scary to be obedient to God sometimes. I mean, what if in my obedience to God, what if God, what if God asks me to to leave everything behind like he did Abraham? Leave this place that you know and go to a place that you don't know. That's pretty scary. Or what if God, what if God asked me to, to move to Africa 
I mean, that would be pretty scary. Or what if God, man, what if he asked me to give all of my money away to someone? That, that's, that's not an easy decision. What if God asked me to, uh, you know, or asked you to break up with your significant other? I mean, that's not an easy, listen, listen, stay with me. These are not easy things. But here's what I want you to get. When God asks something of us, it's the best thing for us. And I know you don't always maybe agree with that, but it's true. When God asks something of you, when God asks something of me, it is always what is best for us. And the reason why that's true is because God wants what is best for us. God does not hold out on us. He wants what's best for you. He wants what's best for me. Now, what I can't answer in this conversation, or really in any, is why do things that are challenging and tough happen? You know, why do you go through things like losing someone you love a lot? Or why do you go through things like, you know, when people, you know, turn their back on you and you thought they were your, your best friend? Or, or why, do, why do things like this, listen up, and, and I can't answer th- those questions, but what, what I can answer is that when God prompts you, when God asks you to do something, it's always going to be what is best. And you know what our senior pastor, PK, he talks about this and he gives us this idea of what's called the, the two-second window. And what he says is this, when God prompts you to do something, when he prompts you to, to do something You have about two seconds to decide if you're going to be obedient to that prompt or not. And usually beyond that two seconds, you're kind of done from there. And so what does this look like? Well, maybe a, a prompt from God could look something like this. Maybe God would prompt you to to read your Bible and pray for a few minutes sometime. Or maybe God might prompt you to to go and and share something that you're struggling with with your small group or with a friend in your life. Or maybe God might prompt you to, you know, to go and share your faith with someone that doesn't know Jesus. Or maybe God might prompt you to take a next spiritual step in your life, like something like baptism or joining a small group, which you'll have an opportunity to do next week. Or maybe he would encourage you and prompt you to say, man, you need to be in SLT. You need to be in the student leadership team at M12. See, I can't answer how God would prompt you. But maybe God is prompting you to to take a step in your life. And so here's a thought that I want to leave you with as we wrap up. It's very simple. To change the world around you, obey the God above you. Really simple thought. To change the world around you, obey the God above you. So let's rewind back to the story. So it's after church. I've got a choice. I can go to this Mexican restaurant and have some great Mexican food with my friends. Or I can listen to this God prompt. And I can pull my truck to the side of the road and I can go and try to have a conversation with this guy who's 
homeless. And I'm going to be honest with you guys, that two-second window, I kind of failed in that. I passed him, and I was headed over to the restaurant, and then something happened. I just felt bad about it. And I just knew, you know what, I can't do this. i got to go back. And so I turned my truck around, and I pulled my truck to the side of the road, and I just went up to this guy, and honestly, it was scary. And I'm not telling you that you need to do this, but this was something that for me in this moment, this is what God made clear that I needed to do. So I went up to this guy, and I just tried to start a conversation. And at first, he was very standoffish. He was very not interested in what I was saying. And then I just began to kind of open up about my own life. Then I began to ask him about his. Asked him about his family. Asked him like, man, what, what causes you to, to, to be here today? What's going on? And I wish I could tell you that in that moment that God made a decision or that he made a decision to, to follow God. But he didn't. But he let me pray for him. And so I prayed for him. I prayed over him. I prayed for what was going on in his life at the time. I prayed for God to put his feet back on solid ground. And honestly, guys, I never saw him again. But you know what happened is that God changed me that afternoon. He changed me that afternoon because what he began to do is he began to show me that God put courage and God put boldness into my life to share Jesus, to share my faith, to be a light in my school, a light in my church, a light in my home. And so to change the world around you, obey the God above you. When I made the decision to obey God in that moment, and granted, I don't always make that decision. It's not easy. But when that moment, when I chose to obey God, things changed. And so for you, here is a thought. Here is a next step. See, obedience is not just a one-time thing. Obedience is a choice that you make every time. So I want to give you a thought. Choose obedience one day at a time and one step at a time. Choose obedience one day at a time and one step at a time. So tonight, what's going to happen is you're going to go into a grade group, and you're going to have some opportunities to maybe dialogue about some things. Maybe there's stories that you have of God prompting you to do something, and you listen, and you've seen how God's moved and changed you. But before we get there, I want to ask a couple questions that I want you to think about. They're, come, they're going to come on the screen. Here it is. Question number one is simply this. If obedience is evidence of love, who or what do you love? And secondly, what do you do in the two-second window?